From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Thursday, May 11th. Abortion providers in Utah secured another small win last week. Utah's 3rd District Court temporarily blocked a piece of legislation that would have functionally eliminated access to abortion in the state. HB 467 passed during this year's legislative session. Jason Stevenson of the Planned Parenthood Association of Utah calls the bill a novel approach to banning abortion. That's because it wasn't just an outright ban at six weeks or 12 weeks or zero weeks. What it said essentially was that abortions can only happen in Utah hospitals after May 3rd and that the health centers like those run by Planned Parenthood, which have been providing these services for decades, a very affordable and accessible way, could no longer provide those services. The four licensed abortion clinics in Utah currently provide about 97 percent of abortions in the state. Under that piece of legislation, they would have been shut down. That's why we call it a functional abortion ban. Because if you're a consumer, a patient, someone who needs an abortion, if that law had taken effect, you would not be able to access that care. And when we checked with hospitals and when others did uh, in the media, the hospitals in Utah were making no plans to try to expand the type of services that they offer. So Utahns who needed this care would have no place to get it if this law had taken effect. Thankfully, we were able to block it in state court, and abortion is accessible and legal in Utah up to 18 weeks of pregnancy. So Planned Parenthood Association of Utah challenged HB 467 as a supplemental complaint, part of an existing lawsuit against the state's trigger ban. The trigger ban, that would have outlawed abortion except in a few cases, and that is on hold currently because of the lawsuit. So as you said, you know, right now, abortion is still legal in Utah up to 18 weeks of pregnancy. But I am curious how these ongoing legal challenges and constant uncertainty has affected Planned Parenthood's licensed abortion clinics from a staff perspective and and a patient perspective. You know, our our staff is used to working under a lot of scrutiny. Um, The people who work at Planned Parenthood, whether it's on the clinic side or on the policy side like I do, are here because we believe in the mission and believe in providing these services to the thousands of Utahns who who rely on us. It's always been hard and it's always been challenging, um, but that's actually what draws people to to work um, at, at Planned Parenthood. Our motto is care no matter what, and that's something that our staff really believes in because we provide help provide services that many people don't provide. Uh, And we are the one place in Utah where many people can get this care in a place that is non-judgmental, that is safe, that is affordable and accessible. So it is a difficult time to work in reproductive health care in in the United States right now, and especially in Utah. Uh, But it's something that we are committed to doing and keep fighting for our patients to make sure that they have access to the services they need. Because a legislature, a politician, can't make the need for abortion go away. They can just make it harder for people to acquire these services. All four of Utah's licensed abortion clinics are on the Wasatch Front. That's not exactly close to southeastern Utah. So what are options for people here in Moab? One thing I really want to make clear is that it is legal and possible to cross state lines to seek abortion care. There is no reason why a resident of Southeast Utah can't travel to Colorado to get that health care. And in fact, living in that part of our state, oftentimes the closest 
accessible health centers are in a different state. Um, and so, for instance, in Moab, a lot of the, uh, and in Southeast Utah, a lot of the nearest abortion providers are in Southwestern Colorado, in Cortez, Durango, and Glenwood Springs, for instance. So there's a great website called abortionfinder.org that when you type in your information and it's anonymous, it's helpful, it's a really good website, it will help, it will guide you to where the nearest abortion providers can be, even if they're across state lines. Um, and that's something I think is really important for residents of Southeast Utah and the Four Corners area to remember is that you don't have to stay within your state to access abortion care. You can cross state lines, and sometimes it's the easiest and best thing to do. Jason Stevenson, Director of Public Policy at Planned Parenthood Association of Utah. The 3rd District Court recently ruled in the organization's favor when it temporarily blocked a new state law that would have functionally eliminated access to abortion. A larger lawsuit challenging Utah's 2020 trigger ban is ongoing. Last Friday, the Environmental Protection Agency held an informational meeting in northeastern Arizona. It was about the first area in the Navajo Nation to be added to the Superfund National Priorities List. Chris Clements with our partners at KSGD reports. The EPA has proposed adding the Lukachukai Mountain Mining District to its national list, which is made up of sites in the United States that are highly contaminated and require long-term remediation. There are dozens of inactive uranium mines in the district and more than 100 piles of mine waste, according to Cove Chapter President James Benali, who's helping spearhead the effort to get funds to clean the mining area. It means a lot, not just for myself. It means that this means a lot for my community and all its residents. Benali says that livestock are being poisoned due to contaminated groundwater and that there are high rates of cancers present in the community, like lung, colon, and prostate cancer, especially among those who worked in the mines. A 60-day public comment period about the proposed designation is underway. I'm Chris Clements. Spring and early summer are busy times for wildlife rehab centers throughout the region. For those that handle birds, it can be especially hectic during what they refer to as baby bird season. When fledglings aren't successful in their initial attempts to fly, they can end up out of the nest, away from their parents. The lucky ones end up at a rehab center. Benita Lee, with our partners at KGNU, visited one and brings us this report. There are many ways we know it's springtime, warmer days and budding leaves. But without us having to even look at the calendar, there's something else that cues us. Songbirds. But spring for one Coloradan means all songbirds, all the time, in her home. I feed them every 20 minutes from sunup to sundown. Donna Nespoli is the director of Colorado Native Bird Care and Conservation, a nonprofit that rescues, rehabilitates, and releases orphaned and injured songbirds. Her specialty is raising the very young ones, the hatchlings, which she says these days are arriving early. I just received four older finch juveniles, which means they must have been born before even April. So this year it's very early to have babies. The height of the bird season is July 4th kind of say, like, if we can make it through July 4th, we can make it through the season. <laughs> Nespoli says global warming is changing migration times, which means birds are coming back to breed earlier. But global warming is just one of the human-caused reasons that Nespoli sees many young birds in need of help. 
like, for example, a cat will kill a parent bird or get in a tree and destroy a nest. Also, when you do tree trimming in the spring and summer, you'll destroy nests. Before Nispoli started her own rehabilitation center, she completed an intensive year-long training program at Greenwood Wildlife Rescue in Lyons. And then I took a ornithology class at CSU, and I was just blown away. And I went into birds and fell in love with birds. Nispoli has had a highly successful release rate for the birds that come to her as healthy babies, about 80 to 90 percent. But injured baby birds are another story. It's about 50-50, and when she can't do anything to help a suffering bird, Nispoli has to euthanize it. And this is, I imagine, heartbreaking work. What makes you want to do it? What makes you keep doing it? I'm crazy. (laughs) Baby birds, to me, are like an addiction. I, if I know they exist and they need help, I really have to save them. It's just hard being an animal, but working with animals and even working with disadvantaged people or elderly people, you have that where you care about something and you have to keep doing it. Because if you don't keep doing it, you feel like, what is the point of my existence if you're not doing the things that you think are the right things to do? Ms. Foley says she'll keep rescuing birds, although she has slowed down. Previously, she cared for 250 birds. Now she'll raise 50, which she says is still a lot of work for one person. For KGNU, I'm Benita Lee. That story was shared with us via Rocky Mountain Community Radio, a network of public media stations in Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, and New Mexico, including KZMU. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, May 11th. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.